You're listening to the Cornerstone Chapel High School Youth Ministry. Let's head into the service for this week's message. Please open your Bible to Mark, Mark's Gospel, Chapter 3. We are in Mark's Gospel, Chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 13. Just to follow up from last week, last week, last week we talked about the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Why He was born? He was born to save us, to give us new life, to show us His love. Those were the topics we talked about last week of why Jesus came uh, as a baby boy, coming in this world, our Savior is born, prophecy fulfilled, and now He's coming also again sometime down the road in the future. We can't wait for a second coming. But last week was His first coming, the birth of our Savior, and now we are jumping ahead about 30 years approximately. Jesus is now a man. He's fully grown. And he is now beginning his earthly ministry on here on earth. So we're going to be talking in Mark chapter 3, verse 13. We're going to be talking about his disciples today. The calling of his disciples. So I've entitled the calling of the twelve. The twelve is referring to his disciples that he calls. Trains up. They, uh, they, they spend time with Jesus for approximately th- three years in his ministry. Then he dies. Uh, resurrects. He um, lives on earth for 40 more days. And then he sends his disciples out. To go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, spreading the word. And they did. And that is next week's topic. So today's like a two-part series of the calling of the disciples. Next week will be the commissioning, the sending out of the disciples, and what that means for you and me today. Talk about what a disciple means. We're going to talk about apostleship. What does the word apostle mean? And uh, it's really good stuff. And so today's study, look at verse 13 of Mark chapter 3. We're just going to dive right in. Look at verse 13 of chapter 3 in Mark says this, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve, designating them apostles, that would be later, that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. Can you guys underline, uh, if you have a pen or pencil, to be with him, and then sending them out. Be with him and send them out. We're going to talk about those two things today. Verse 16, these are the twelve he appointed. So he's going to name the twelve disciples. We're going to study them. It says here, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. So that's Peter that we know today. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, to whom he gave the name Boengers, which means sons of thunder. Thunder. Okay. Verse 18. Yes, good song. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Okay, we all know who that guy is. Um, let's pause and pray, and then we're going to dive in to God's word of what he has for us today. Father, we thank you for a new day. We thank you for your mercies that are new every morning. We do pray for um, clarity in today's message that you would help us learn something new of the disciples and why you chose them. Um, specifically the, these 12, when you could have chosen many others. Um, just, Lord, help us to learn something new today. Help us to love one another as your word calls us to and go before us today in our teaching. And we give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the first thing I want you guys to look at is up on the screen, and it's God's way of choosing the way he chooses. God's choosing. God chooses the ordinary and makes them extraordinary. You guys can write this down. This is the theme for today's study. God chooses the ordinary and makes them extraordinary, or extraordinary, if you like to say it that way, okay? 
And we're going to see in this verse, this, this passage of Scripture, 12 men that Jesus chooses to be His disciples were plain, ordinary weirdos just like you and me. All right? Normal people. Nothing about them. Didn't have a college degree. They didn't have the most popularity in town. They were dirty. They smelled bad. They were, some were fishermen. One was a tax collector, which was uh, someone that was hated by the Jews because he would collect the money in. I mean, we don't really like taxes anyway today, so nothing's changed. But he was hated as a tax collector. One was called Simon the Zealot. If you guys read that, the Zealot was someone who wanted to overthrow Roman government. So he was someone that wanted to assassinate Caesar. He wanted to get rid of Roman authority, get, get rid of all these Roman punks, have the Jews just worship as they want to, get rid of all these garbage Romans. So he was a zealot. And Jesus chooses a man like Simon the Zealot. We'll talk about a little more about him, how God cho- chose the people that he chose. Fishermen, stinky, that's, that's all they did. No education. They were just ordinary men. Ordinary men that God chose. But that's the theme for you and I today, that he chooses the ordinary and makes them extraordinary. And there's a verse at the end of our teaching, we're going to talk about that, what Paul says of how God chooses the way he chooses. You know, um, if you guys play sports or you play pickup football, I love playing pickup football. I play football a lot. I played like one year when I was like in seventh grade, and that was it. I stopped. I played baseball most of my life. I love baseball. So, but I love football too. And in, in sports, when you're like picking teams for whatever sport you guys want to play, all right, who's captain? Who's captain? All right, we'll just have you and you be captain. Two captains, come over here, and you start picking your teams. Now, you're not going to pick the worst player on the team first pick, are you? Are you? Hello? We're just being honest. No, you want to pick the best player, right? You want to pick the player that's the fastest, strongest, maybe good looking, and also just one that can just do everything. The athlete, all right? All right? Now, maybe some of you have the compassion and say, I feel bad for this guy, this loser, this geek. He can be with me, all right? Now, I tend to lean towards a little bit of that. I feel bad for the ones that are picked last. Didn't you hate when you were picked last? If you guys played the pickup games, all right, I'll take you. All right, yeah, I got you. Oh, man, I got you now. Come over here. Yes, yes. Pick number three or four. Yes, hey, I'll take you. And there's down to two left. All right, I'll take Johnny. You left me with Bill? Come on. Bill, come on. You're on my team. And then Bill's like, yay, I got picked. Or inside, he knows. No one likes me, and I got picked last. Aw, okay. All right, that, see? Ladies, if you don't play this kind of stuff, us men sometimes go through this. I, I was growing up, I was picked last. Actually, I was kind of last. Um, you have some popularity because then you know, oh, he's the last pick. First pick is always the best popularity. I was actually sometimes in the middle. Hey, okay, Bill, Joe, Johnny, Peter, uh, Tyler, come on over here, uh, Zach, uh, Jacob. And so I just felt like, nah, no one really cares about me. I was just the average pick. I hated being average. You're just average, dude, okay? It's bugged me. It's, it still happens today. Okay, no, I'm kidding. I mean, yeah, no, I'm not kidding. I don't really know. Anyway. Now, God, God is not the, the captain, if you will, and he doesn't have, like, a sidekick and saying, okay, we're going to choose, um, I'm going to choose Peter, James, uh, let me see, John. He wasn't doing it like that. He's not, like, saying, like, I want the best guys over here with me. No, actually, God did, did it the opposite way, if you will. He chose the ones that were ordinary, not famous, not popular, probably not even good-looking, 
Just the weird, ordinary men. Nothing, nothing extraordinary about them. And God chooses them. And we read here that the people that he chose, they are named here. Look at verse 14. He appointed them 12, designating them apostles. We'll get into that next week. That they might be with him and they might send him out to preach and have authority over demons. Basically, what the word is saying is God chose these 12 men. And Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 6, if you want to turn there and can, you can, you can jot it down. Luke chapter 6, it says that God spent the entire night in prayer. He went up on a mountainside, prayed the entire night, just asking the Lord for wisdom, who to choose, even praying for the men that he knew he would choose. He spent the entire night in prayer. This isn't something that God just thought of all of a sudden. Jesus was like, I'll take you guys. I don't even know you guys, but come on. Now, he built a relationship with them. He knew them. Now, he was fully God, so he knows who they are, but he's fully man, too. And he wants to create a friendship. He wants to train these guys to do good and to spread the gospel. That is the whole reason for the twelve. And so here's the slide for the 12 names. We just read them. You guys can write them down, maybe memorize them. The 12 uh, disciples can also be symbolic of like the 12 tribes. You've got the 12 tribes in the Old Testament. You've got the 12 disciples in the New Testament. 12 was always a symbolic number. And so it was significant. God, uh, Jesus in flesh, chose wisely. And we see number one, Simon Peter. Now Peter is the name we usually refer to him as. He wrote First and Second Peter. He is that apostle that walked on water to meet Jesus. Then he drowned. He had faith and God pulled him back up. Peter was not the brightest guy in the tool shed. Peter was not like the, the, get, the go-getting. He was just kind of a little dumb. I'll just say it like that. He, he actually was dumb. He would ask Jesus, like, what does this mean? Or, and, and then Jesus one time told Peter, are you just dull or something? That's, that's a little paraphrasing. But he called Peter dull. Isn't that awesome? Jesus called a disciple dull. You're just dull, Peter. Oh, sorry, Jesus, I, I didn't mean to. Like, all right. Peter would actually grow up then, would write First and Second Peter, and would be one of the first to lead the church, the early church, and 3,000 people get saved. That's in Acts. We're going to read that way down the road. But in Acts, Peter presents the gospel, and 3,000 people get saved. So God picks this ordinary dude, makes him extraordinary, is with Jesus for three years, and then he is sent out to do good work. And Peter would be one of the most vocal and huge people for God's kingdom, for his church. It was awesome. So that's Simon Peter. We know him as Peter. His name was Simon, but God changed his name to Peter. We'll get that down the road. There's, there's a passage of why Jesus changed Simon's name to Peter. But anyway, we got Andrew. Now, now Simon Peter, Peter and Andrew are brothers. They're both fishermen. So we got brothers there. We got James and John. James and John are also brothers. So we've got two sets of brothers, and they're like the go-getters. James and John, you can read it right here. It says... In verse 17, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, and he gives a parenthesis to them, he gave the name Boanges, or which means sons of thunder. We don't really know why they were named sons of thunder, but Bible scholars tend to think that these guys were named sons of thunder by Jesus because they were like the go-getters. They were like thunder, if you will. They wanted to just get the gospel going, rampage. They were just on fire for the Lord. There is a passage in Scripture where they are walking through Samaria. Samaria was kind of a region in Israel where the Jews hated the Samaritans. Samaritans hated Jews. There was prejudice there. Jesus knew about this. That's why he chose to go through Samaria. He loved the Samaritans. He loved everybody. But James and John knew the history of the Samaritans. Not, not a very loving people. They didn't like each other. So they're going through and, and they asked Jesus. They asked Jesus. James and John. Jesus, 
do you just want us to call, like, fire down from heaven and just smoke this whole place? Like, these people are weird. Can we just kill them right now? Jesus says, are you kidding me? No. I, I'm chosen. I, James and John, that's why I called you guys thunder. They were just wanting, they, they just were like, oh, I'm going to just got to kill some people. That's what they were, really. Sons of thunder. God, can we just rain down fire right now? Can you allow us to kill them right now? Jesus is like, shut up, James and John. All right, we're walking through. All right, he didn't say shut up. That's in the message Bible if you want that. All right, but James and John, we got two brothers, two sets of brothers. Then you've got Philip and Bartholomew. Philip and Bartholomew, um, Philip in one case is very um, prevalent in the book of Acts. You can read his story in Acts. He's a main character in the book of Acts. He was one that was leading a church. It was great to see where the Lord brought him. Then you got Bartholomew, Matthew, which is also known as Levi. He's the one who wrote the Gospel of Matthew, and uh, he was a tax collector. That's the one that was hated by all Jews. He was hated because he was a Jew himself working for the Romans, telling the Jews, give me your money. Jews were like, you and I are the same people. I'm not giving you the money. You belong to the traitors. They hated the Romans. So Matthew was a tax collector working for the enemy. The Jews hated him. And Jesus chooses him, okay? It's very wise, and it's, very, it's not coincidence that Jesus chose Matthew, one who was hated by all, all right? And we also have Thomas, the one that doubts. We'll get into him later. He's always, he always doesn't get a good rep. He's the one that doubts, okay? We'll just call him that. You've got another James. He was James, the son of Alphaeus, a different James. You've got Simon, another Simon here, Thaddeus, and then Judas Iscariot. And it's interesting, I don't want you guys to ask me the question, now why did Jesus choose Judas if he knew Judas was going to be a betrayer and, and go up to the Romans, tell him I know where Jesus is and have Jesus be crucified? Why would Jesus choose Judas? Look, I don't really know. Did Jesus choose Judas because he knew what was going to happen? Probably, I don't know. Maybe he chose, chose Judas for, as a chance. Maybe he loved Judas. He, he, he obviously did if he asked him to be one of the twelve. But it's interesting, in all the Gospels, after the word, the name Judas, it says this is the one that was the betrayer, the traitor, the one that sent Jesus to the Romans to be killed. I don't know why Jesus chose him. Jesus had a very good reason why he chose these 12. He didn't have to choose any of these people. All of them were sinners, not just Judas. All were sinners. We are all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. Even Peter Peter, who would write First and Second Peter, who would lead 3,000 to get saved in Acts. When Jesus first introduces himself to Peter and he says, I want you to come follow me, Peter said, he gets on his knees, he said, I, I am a sinner, you don't even want to be near me. So we know, G, we know Peter doesn't have a good background. They admit, I'm a sinner, I can't even be near you. And Jesus says, I know you are, but I want you to come follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. It's amazing to see what Jesus does with these 12 and what he can do for you and me. That's the application for you and me. Jesus didn't just call these 12 and then that's it. The Bible says in the New Testament that all are called to really be disciples. Now, what does the word disciple mean? The word disciple plainly means a follower of Christ. You know, our camp theme this past summer was follow. It was that whole theme in Luke chapter 6 of follow me, take up your cross daily, follow me. That was Jesus' calling to his disciples. Hey, what are you guys doing? I want you guys to follow me. And we can see, we're going to talk about different passages of Scripture that Jesus calls certain men from, the, from this list, Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Matthew, how he goes to each of them and says, I want you guys to follow me. And none of them, none of them say, I don't know, I don't even know who you are. I'm not, I'm not so sure about this. You could be just some weirdo. I'm not sure. 
They drop their nets, they drop whatever they're doing, and they go follow them. It's amazing. Now, in the Bible, it says that Jesus had many followers. Many followers. And there's passages in the gospel where Jesus says, come follow me. And there are examples of those who said, can you just wait a little bit? I'm going to go bury my, my dad when he's dead. He's, he's almost dead now, and then I'll come follow you. And Jesus is like, no, I can't wait for you. Hey, why don't you come follow me? Well, Lord, that means I have to give up all I have, and I have all these riches, and I, and I just don't know what to do with them, and I'll follow you when everything works out. That's like the whole theme of it. I'll follow you when it works out for me. And Jesus says, you can't be my disciple then. But the 12 that he chose right there immediately stopped what they're doing and follow him. And that's what we're going to talk about at the end of the study of how Jesus calls you and me to follow him. Do we hesitate? Do we say, well, Jesus, can you just wait a little bit? I'm not quite ready. Or let me deal with this first. Then I'll follow you. I don't think that's what Jesus wants from us. Because these men right here immediately got up and followed him. Now, there's two things I want you guys to look up on the screen. Two things of how Jesus chose the way he chose. And number one is Jesus, literally, he called his disciples. Look again in Mark chapter 3, verse 13. Look at it again. It says, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted. Not them that chose Jesus and said, I'll come follow you. Although all are called to follow Jesus. But he says... In Mark 13, verse 13, he called those he wanted and they came to him. He appointed 12, designated them as apostles that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach and have authority. That's what Jesus is saying. That's the number one thing. Jesus called them. They didn't come running to him. They didn't say, I'm here. You can do, it, do with me whatever you want. I'll, I'll come follow you to the ends of the earth. No, Jesus called them. He knew those he wanted to call and he called many. Again, as we talked about earlier, he called many. Many said, you're just going to have to wait. Jesus said, you can't, I can't wait for you. You come follow me now. Today is the day that you come follow me. Because there may not be a tomorrow. But those he called, many came, and he designated 12. He chose 12. And the first thing he does, though, is he calls them to follow me. And in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 18... We get the account of when Jesus calls Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Can you guys flip back to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4? Not that far. Just go left. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4. And this is the account of when Jesus calls Peter, James, Andrew, and John, the first of the four. First of the twelve, I'm sorry. He calls these people first. Chapter 4, verse 18 of Matthew. And it says this. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Here are the, the brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a neck into the lake, for they were fishermen. So this is their occupation. Jesus says, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. At once, it says. Verse 21, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with, his fa- with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets, Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And followed him. Go back to Mark. This is the account of of Andrew, Peter, James, and John, how they were fishermen. And Jesus says, come follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. That was a prophetic message he told Peter and Andrew. For Peter and Andrew, James and John, would go and preach the gospel, 
and they would spiritually catch men. They would proclaim the gospel and many would get saved. That is what Jesus is talking about. He says, you guys are fishermen. You guys are casting your nets to catch fish. I want to train you guys up. You guys are going to be catching men now. You're going to be catching souls for the kingdom. And Peter would go on to be one of the greatest apostles ever in the Bible. Also in uh, Matthew, ver- Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, you don't have to turn there, but that, this is the, the account of Matthew, the tax collector. Back here in the 12, this is Matthew's account. Matthew 9, 9. It says this, As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. Pretty self-explanatory. He sees Matthew in the tax collector's booth. Jews hated him for doing that. He was a Jew himself. They wanted nothing to do with him. But Jesus goes and see him, sees him. He has compassion for him. Now, Jesus knows the history of the tax collectors. He knows Peter. I'm sorry, he knows Matthew. And he says, I want you to come follow me. I don't know Matthew's reaction, but immediately he puts down everything at the booth and he goes and follows him. Now, no doubt, people are like, really? Jesus is hanging out with the, the lowest of the low? The weirdos, the traitors, if you will? He called Matthew, tax collector, to be one of his disciples? You, you better believe people were shaking heads, wondering, like, what is going on? And then Jesus would go on and, and call Simon the Zealot here in the, uh, one of the twelve. Number ten, Simon the Zealot. How I said that the Zealots were those who wanted to overthrow the Roman government. They hated the Roman government. And they would kill people in the process. And Jesus, we don't have Simon the Zealot's account, but he would go up to him just the way he did for Matthew and all the other disciples. said, I want you to come follow me. And he did. No doubt people are shaking their heads again. SMH, shake my head. What is Jesus doing? Calling now a zealot. Killing, the guy that kills people in the process wants to... Now, yeah, all the Jews hated the Roman authority. They hated Roman government, but they were scared. There was a, there was a fear for that. They don't want to do anything about it. They don't want to get killed. They want to just live a, a life. But the zealots were like, no, we're going to kill them. We're going to get rid of this Roman government. And Jesus says, I want you to put down your weapons. Come follow me. And Simon did. You see the diversity in the disciples that Jesus chose? Fishermen, not a good occupation, didn't have an education, never got a college degree. You have Simon the zealot, a murderer, someone who wanted to overthrow authority. You have Matthew, a tax collector, a traitor, someone who wanted to steal the money away from them, maybe even be deceiving, and everybody else in between. And God, Jesus says, come follow me. That's, the, that's an awesome aspect, the awesome message of the gospel, of how Jesus called the lowest of the low, the traitors in society, the murderers, the one who wanted to overthrow government. Jesus chose them. You better believe that Jesus wants to choose you as well. To choose me. He calls many for salvation. But we have to make a choice. We have to make a choice whether we want to follow this Jesus or not. These disciples did. They made that choice. And the number two part of how Jesus called was he chose his disciples. He not only called them, but number two, he chose them. He designated them. He chose wisely. Again, in Luke's Gospel, it says that he prayed the entire night. Most of us, we pray at night, five minutes later, we're asleep, right? Can I get an amen? I, am a, I am, cannot pray or have my devotions in the morning. I just can't. I'm not a morning person. I love having my devotions later in the day or in the evening, and I love to pray in the evening. I can't pray when I wake up. Now, 
that's all right. Everyone has their own way of doing their devotions in prayer life, and I know Jesus is okay with that. But sometimes I feel a little sad and guilty of myself because I'll tell Jesus, I'm going to pray to you tonight. Lord, thank you for this day. And I just pray. And Jesus probably shakes his head again. He always was shaking his head. You a little faith. Tyler, come on. So Jesus, I respect Jesus greatly for this, that he prayed the entire night, Luke's gospel says. And then he chose who he wanted to choose. He chose his disciples. And A, the first part is to be with him. That's what, we, that's what I had you guys write, um, sorry, underlined down in Mark's Gospel 3. He chose them to be with him, and in, in the parentheses, discipleship, and then to be sent out by him to preach and have authority. That's the apostleship. So discipleship, the word disciple again, is one that follows another. One that follows the master or the teacher. That was a disciple. That is what it means today. Those that are with the teacher, the master. And then number two, they were sent out by Jesus later as apostles to preach the gospel and to have authority over darkness, over demons. And the disciples would have that authority. They would cast out demons later in the church age. That is the word apostleship or the word apostle. The apostle word in the Greek means really the sent one or the messenger, the one that is sent out. That is the word apostle, what it means. So these disciples were also the ones that followed Jesus. They were trained for three years under Jesus' authority, learning under Jesus, the Son of God, of how the kingdom works, the signs of the end of the age, what it means to cast out demons, how to heal people, what the gospel is all about. They were trained by him in three years, and then after those three years, after Jesus is crucified, is buried, then raises from the dead, and lives on earth for 40 days, once he ascends back into heaven, he then says, I send you guys out to be my witnesses. And we're going to talk about that next week. That's part two. He sends them out. And it's a great story of, of first century church history of how these 12 men, ordinary men, are witnesses and called by God to go preach the gospel. And all these men, except for Judas, for Judas would hang himself because how sick and guilt, guilty he felt after portraying his Lord and Savior. But of the 12, the 11 would all be killed for their faith. All of them. They would not die a natural death except for John. You see number four, John. John is the one who writes the Gospel of John and he writes Revelation. And in John's account and in church history, John would be exiled to this island called Patmos. There he would die a natural death. But on that island he would write Revelation. That's where we get our book today. So of the twelve, besides John and Judas, they would all be persecuted and killed for their faith. Some hung on a cross like Jesus, some hung on a cross upside down, some sawed in two, some flogged and beaten to death, some ripped apart by lions in the gladiator coliseum, everything you can imagine. That's how these disciples would die. God chose them specifically to preach the gospel, and they did, thus, that's why they were killed. The Romans didn't want anything to do with Christians, but God wanted everything to do with these 12 men and with everybody else, including you and me. And so those two aspects of how Jesus chose, he called, he chose them to be with him, to learn under him, to study under him, then to be sent out. Because then when Jesus went back to heaven, you don't have Jesus on earth to tell you what to do anymore. You have the Holy Spirit now. God would send the Holy Spirit to comfort them, to guide them, to convict them, to show them what to say. But Jesus would be gone, sent back into heaven and to this day, we are still in that church age, if you will, and Jesus has yet to come again, and the Bible says he will come again, a second time. 
you read Revelation, you'll see all the end times are coming together. I believe that we're living in the the end times. We are close to that time where Jesus is going to return again, and that's a glorious thing. I can't wait till Jesus comes back and makes everything right with truth and justice. But for now, when he called these 12 disciples, he has a message for you and me. I want you guys to look at the screen again. In 1 Corinthians 1.27, this goes back to how God takes the ordinary and makes them extraordinary. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before men. Translation, he is saying God chose the weak, the foolish, the despised of this world and made them shame the wise. Built them up. Made the men, made you and me, men and women of Jesus, ordinary people. Foolish, maybe, in the sight of the world. Weak in the sight of the world. Despised in the sight of the world. Lowly in the sight of the world. God chose those types of people, you and me, to shame the wise. So that whatever God does through you and me is for God glory, not for you and me. That's what Paul says in there. So that no one may boast before him. Because if someone great does someone great, who gets the credit? It's the person that did it great. It's the person that is great. If God chooses Peter, James, John, Andrew, Matthew, Simon the Zealot, those that are lowly, those that are outcasts, those that are despised. Remember Matthew the tax collector, tax collector was despised in that day. The fishermen were just lowly people, weak, uneducated. God chose those types of people to do his work for his kingdom. That's what he does for you and me, too, to this day. God's economy is totally opposite of you and me. Like I said for the football team, we want to pick the best people. We want to pick the best people, the ones that are the best, the popular. Those in school, you may think, like, these people are popular. I don't have a chance. I don't don't know what God wants to do with me in my life. I'm not famous. I'm not popular. I'm weak spiritually. I'm not, God doesn't really have a plan for me. Look, God wants to use you and me for an extraordinary way so that he can be glorified. And he has a plan for you and me. This is what Paul is saying. God chose, and notice that in the first verse, God chose the foolish things. He chose you and me to do the extraordinary. And there's two questions I want to ask you as we close. Am I following after the Lord when he calls me? Like the disciples were in that time, they followed immediately after Jesus. There were some that said, can you wait a little bit? i got to go do this thing first. Jesus said, no, you follow me now. Which one are you going to be like? Am I following after Jesus when he calls me? And I'm not just talking about salvation. Oh, that, that's, the, that's the biggest thing. But calling in a sense of living the life of, of, of Christians. Doing what God calls you to do. Reading his word. Being in prayer. When God calls you to do something, when you feel called to either be in this kind of job occupation or to lead this person to Christ or go talk to this person, when God calls you, are you following after him? Are you doing what he asks you to do? And he gives you that choice. You and I have the freedom to choose. But he wants us to choose what he asks us to do. He wants us to choose wisely. Am I following after the Lord? And the next one is, what has God chosen me to do for his kingdom? What has God chosen you and me to do for his kingdom? Because after he calls his disciples, he chose them. And he chose them what to do, and he told them what to do, and he sent them out. 
So after God calls you and me, what has he chosen you to me and do? Maybe God is tugging on your heart, and he has in the past, and you just haven't lived it out. You haven't obeyed him yet. Maybe there's something that God is choosing you to do. You're a little scared, a little nervous. You don't know how it's going to look in the end. Or there might be something that God is convicting in your heart, choosing you to do something for his kingdom. And am I doing that? Are you doing that? We have to be following after Jesus just as his, his, can't talk today, just as his disciples did, and then he chose them specifically, and he is choosing you today. John's gospel, Jesus would say this, I did not, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I chose you to do great works, to live out the life that I called you to live. Are we doing that, or are we just doing our own thing? Are we doing that, and we say, yeah, I'm a Christian, because if you say you're a Christian, then you are saying you're a follower of Christ. But if we're following after Christ, but we're not doing what he's chosen us to do, and we're just doing what the world wants to do, are we truly following after Christ? Because these disciples, these 12 men, are the perfect examples of ones that are called, chosen, and would live out this calling. They would live out the rest of their lives doing the kingdom work, and then, like I said, they would die for it. They didn't choose this. God chose them. I want you guys to do this because I have a plan for you, and you guys are the right people to do it, and God has chosen you and me for a specific purpose and a plan. We're not, we're not to be these 12 disciples. That's not our calling. Our calling is something specifically that God has chosen you and me to do. We're never going to be these 12 they were only these 12, and they were never be, never be again these 12. These 12 were des, uh, designed and designated by God himself for a specific purpose. But you and me have a specific calling by Jesus. Are you following after it, and have you, ch- and have you known what God has chosen you to do? Are you living it out? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Let's give thanks to the Lord, and then we'll let you guys go. Father, we do thank you again for your word. I pray that we would learn something new from the example of these 12 disciples that you chose wisely. You took the time to pray for them and pray who to choose during the night. And Lord, you are praying for us today, your word says. And Lord, I pray that if you had called us to follow after you, that we are truly following after you. I pray, Lord, that we would also do the work that you've chose us to do. Whatever you've called us to do, whatever you have chosen for us to live, to do, Lord, that we would do it. We would follow after you. I, hope, I pray, Lord, that we would take into consideration the examples that these 12 disciples lived and how you chose the lowly, you chose the weak, you chose the foolish, you chose the despised, the tax collectors, the zealots, the fishermen, those uneducated. Lord, you, you choose the ones that are ordinary and you make them extraordinary. I pray that those in here, myself included, Whatever you have chosen us to do, that we would live it out. Father, you have chosen us to do a specific work as a disciple, as a follower of you. And now you are sending us out as apostles, just like the apostles today. You are sending us out to do good work. I pray that we are living up to that. I pray that we are, that we are listening to your calling. Father, we thank you for this time, and we thank you for the 12 disciples, how you trained them up. You lived with them for three years. They were taught under you. And Lord, I pray that we would be disciples for this day, that we would learn from your word. We would listen to your Holy Spirit. We do thank you for your son dying for us.
We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For additional teachings and to learn more about the Cornerstone Chapel Youth Group, visit us online at cornerstonechapel.net.